Hello and welcome back to Witch Fix. Today I'm going to be reading chapters 13 and 14 from my novel Wayward. Uh, you might remember last time if you have already listened to the last part. If not, why are you listening to these out of order, you fool? Anyway, in the last part, Michaela, after being initiated, was introduced to the world of magic. She started to learn a little bit about magic, a little bit more about the mysterious Bristol Coven, um, and the fact that Cray has been recruiting people to the coven for a while now and that he was in fact the last person to choose to stay at the bath coven he also learned a very intriguing fact that no one from the bristol coven ever visits the bath group uh, and they actually haven't seen anyone since they transferred over there which is creepy and which we will explore in later chapters a little bit of a concept warning for this episode there are mentions again of sexual assault um stories which were brought up in previous chapters be prepared for that and maybe give this one a miss if that is something that is going to trigger you so without further ado here is chapter 13 of wayward when we get back cray is sitting in the scrubby back garden behind the house i spot him through the kitchen window and force the stiff door open to get out there the space is hemmed in on all sides by trees with a cracked patio jutting out from the house to meet the wildly tangled lawn where mushrooms and toadstools are growing in the fallen leaves Cray is sitting on a plastic chair stained with mildew, a book in his hands. Hey, I say, from a short distance away. Mind if I join you? He looks up and grins. How was your first practical? Second, I went to the shop with Chronicle, remember? They grow up so fast, he says dramatically. But how did you do? I was good. I got something from every student's room on the one floor, and I managed to get away from a huge stoner who was not happy to see me with his stash. Crow frowns. Ilex let you get chased. What happened? It's the first time I stop and wonder if what Ilex did was coven sanctioned or not. Clearly he wasn't supposed to fling me into the fire quite yet. I got chased into the toilets, shoved the back door back into the guy's face and got away. I used the extra strong stunning hex, threw him into a wall. Was he all right? I felt guilt and shame coiling in my stomach. I'm sure he was. Cray raises an eyebrow. This is why Ilex shouldn't train people. He's got the morals of a tapeworm. He isn't that bad. He told me a story about you. Probably not a true one. Cray stands up and motions me towards two swings made of blue builder's robe and plastic seats, bleached almost white by the weather. We sit down and I start to kick my legs a little to get moving. He said you're the only recent recruit who stayed here. Okay, that's true, he says. Before me it was Nara, but that was months before I showed up. Chronicle and Ilex were already here. Campion was only slightly ahead of Nara. Why did you stay? I like it here. He tilts his head to look at the black lines of the tree branches, bare of all but a few bright leaves against the bleak grey sky. I like the country and the quiet, the library, the lake, the house and the peace. I like Nara and Campion and Chronicle. Even Ilex has his moments. It's home. I can't help but think of my own home, my room with its dusky purple walls and glittery bead curtain over the overstuffed wardrobe. The leaning piles of books and heaps of shoes and the posters taped to the walls. Everywhere else in the house was decorated by my dad, in shades of cream and green, horrible old-fashioned furniture and cases of historical novels and tat, glass ashtrays, paperweights, antique clocks that didn't tell time. I miss it. Cray squeezes my hand. I know it's hard leaving it all behind. I didn't leave. Even so, I know you miss them. This can be your home too. I can show you the whole campus, all the things to love here, and we'll be your family. It makes it sound so warm, so welcoming. It's a damp old house with wallpaper sloughing off the walls. Secret ceremonies happen under its roof, and everyone in it has a horrible story somewhere behind them. But somehow, sitting on that swing, listening to the trees and holding Cray's hand, it feels almost like home. I almost forget my unease about the mysterious Bristol coven as the afternoon rolls out in front of us. 
Cray takes me on a walk all round the campus, showing me the places he likes best. There are a lot of them. The tiny river that runs from the woods surrounding the rugby pitch down to the lake. The chestnut trees, we gather a bag full to take home. And the Italian gardens, where fountains splash behind a huge gold gate and the grass is soft as velvet. As there are no students around, we explore the castle-like buildings around it, climbing the crumbling stone steps and looking out through single glazed windows covered in cobwebs and dead bugs. We read the ghosts of lecture notes on the whiteboards, flick through essays left on desks. We go through drawers and climb on tables and run from room to room, stirring up dust from the cheap carpets. The last thing we go to look at is the area out of bounds to students, the part of the lake and the wide river flowing from it that is used by fishermen. Down a long grass track we go in and out of trees, picking our way between their roots and the water until we reach a deserted little slice of wooden jetty. Cray sits down and I join him, looking over the water which stretches like dirty glass in front of us, disturbed only by clumps of reeds and the black monsters of fallen branches. The trees and bushes close around us. It's almost cosy. I come down here sometimes when I'm practising my astral projection, Cray says, keeping his voice low. What's that? Leaving your body and travelling without it, in this plane or another. I wonder when I'll get to learn that, whether I'll be able to do it. When I think about everything that I can already do, things that would have seemed impossible only weeks ago, I'm proud of myself. Who cares about a predicted D in maths when you can turn old leaves into money or walk unnoticed into anywhere you want to go? Cray, I ask. Hmm? Have you ever thought about the Bristol Coven? What about it? Well, Ilex says no one comes to visit from there and no one but Sophia ever goes there. That's not true. I mean, new recruits move there all the time. But no one ever sees them again. He grins his easy grin. And you think they're being fed to a race of underground cannibals? No, I nudge him. But it's a bit odd, isn't it? Everything we do is odd by normal standards, he says. We do things that might seem weird, but it's all for a reason. Different covens follow different practices. It, it could be that in Bristol they do things differently and they're not interested in coming back here. They don't see what's to love here. But we've never been told we can't go there. Every time Sophia goes, she asks if we want to go with her. Really? Yes, really. Anyway, what's the fascination with Bristol all about? Not thinking of leaving us already, are you? He looks so anxious I can't help but take his hand and squeeze it. Not if I can help it. He smiles, leans towards me and presses his lips to mine, arms sliding around me as I reach up to play with the hair at the back of his neck. I've never really made out with someone, never had a real boyfriend. Not that Cray has said anything about me being his girlfriend. We've kissed before, but I still don't really know what to do with my hands, so I pet his hair and occasionally stroke his shoulders as he kisses me. Kissing is weird. Very close and breathy and wet, but nice. Like, you wouldn't think having someone's mouth all over yours would make your skin feel all tingly and hot, but it does. I pull away after a bit and see that Cray is pink in the cheeks, his lips a little puffy and his hair all over the place. Wow, he says, slipping his hands into the pockets of his long coat and pulling it around him to cover his crotch. I blush, but it's not like I couldn't feel it while we were kissing. I, um, you should know I, I don't do this with everyone that comes through here. Oh, I feel my cheeks getting hotter. Good. Yeah, so, so, we should probably get back for the ritual. I'm disappointed, but I know how close we are to making a very dumb decision, so I nod and stand up, dusting myself down. We start walking back along the lake path, and when we reach the road, Cray moves closer to my side and takes my hand. We walk all the way back to Wayward holding hands, and a little fire glows warm inside my chest. Chapter 14. The ritual takes place after a dinner of instant pasta made with water from the kettle. We eat together in the lounge, apart from Sophia, who is in her room. Ilex tells everyone a not-too-flattering account of my practical test. Chronicle swats him and tells him he didn't do much better his first time. My first time went rather well, actually. He was a rugby player. 
Nara and Chronicle roll their eyes. Campion slaps him on the leg. You asked for it, as he did, repeatedly. He makes himself more comfortable on the sofa, his feet in Chronicle's lap. And now I want yours. Let's have them. Campion clears her throat and raises a hand. I'll go. This is a good one, Eilick says, winking at me. It was my first week at uni and I'd been to the women's football social at the student union. I'd had a few bottles of VK and I was a bit tipsy. Eilick snorts. Campion gives him the finger. Anyway, there was this girl in the same block as me, so... You're gay, I say, stunned. Bye, Campion says. Anyway, like I said, there's this girl in the same block, and alright, so I've got a fair few crushes going on at that point. I mean, it's the first time I've been around lots of people my own age, for one thing. But she's the one I really, really like. I actually started hanging around in the communal kitchen just to chat to her whenever she came up for a study break. She had this amazing straight black hair all the way down to her bum, and really clear skin and these wicked eyes. Ilex yawns, a huge fake one that shows all his teeth. Bitch, Campion says. Anyway, I'm a bit drunk and I get home to find her up in the kitchen, watching a film. Some horror film. But there are no lights on and she's the only one there. I sit down next to her and ask what she was watching and she told me the name of it, which I forgot about a second later. And she asked me to watch the rest with her, so I did. And after a minute or two, she just leaned over and kissed me. Campion grins. Five minutes later, she had me in her room, naked, on the floor. I still had carpet burn at our first match a week later. And now it's Craig's turn, Chronicle says. Craig glances at me. It's fine, I say, even though I'm feeling pretty shitty because that means Craig's had another girlfriend, maybe more than one, and until I came to Wayward, all I'd done was get high or pissed and been ignored by every boy in favour of Chloe and Tash. It was crap, on a towel in her parents' garage. She didn't move the whole time, and afterwards she dumped me for an arsehole from the lacrosse team. What the hell is lacrosse? Nara asks. Sport rich tossers play at public school, Chronicle says when they're not swapping beds and playing the soggy biscuit game. What's the... Nara says, but Ilex scrunches his face up and shakes his head. I so don't want to know. You know I don't have one, Nara says in response to Ilex's pointing. I only let him get his shirt off before I told him I really didn't want to. Spoil sport? That just leaves the newbie then. And Chronicle, I say, before I remember the weird dream from the night of my initiation, remembering that horrible beery voice and the weight of a grown man on my... Chronicle's little girl bed. Sorry, I say, feeling my skin go cold, then hot with embarrassment. I don't have one anyway, Chronicle says breezily. Not that I remember. Lots of ships passing in the night, lots of shagging behind various clubs. Newbie, spill, Alex says. Who was it who blighted your rose? Nara chucks a pillow at him. You're a pervert. I'm a poet. Same difference. I haven't got one, I say, hoping that it'll be buried in the grumbling at Alex's creepy nature. But the conversation stops short and Ilex grins as if sensing blood in the water. Aw, a virgin, how sweet. I bet you've got a pink duvet with little hearts on it and pictures of some castrato boy band on your wall. Piss off, I say, as Nara thumps him on the arm. Just because I'm not, what, interesting. I glare at him and without quite meaning to, I reach deep for my power, intent on tossing him across the room. Cry grabs my hand. We don't cast on each other, he says quietly, his fingers gentle on my wrist. He walks over to Ilex. Say you're sorry. Sorry. Ilex huffs unapologetically. Not that you would have managed to get me anyway, but if it's fine for Chronicle to screw almost every male fresher every year, then I suppose it's fine for you to be all innocent. I snort. You think I'm innocent because I haven't had sex? His sulky expression splits into a grin and I feel my face flame. I hadn't meant to make myself look even worse in front of Cray. I didn't want him thinking about me doing that. Or maybe I did. And that made me feel all weird inside, 
my stomach alive with twisting snakes. Footsteps clumped down the steps. It's Sophia, trailing a black fringed kimono and carrying a wooden box. I can actually feel the light-heartedness slip out the room. Time for serious witch business. Everyone ready? She asks, her eyebrow raised in a challenge, her gothic mask of makeup thickly plastered on. We all nod. Outside then, the witching hour is approaching. I want to giggle at that, but I don't dare. Outside we go, into the garden, where Campion and Chronicle have prepared a circle of large white stones. One of the battered old coffee tables from inside the house sits in the centre, and Sophia puts the box on top of it. It starts much like my initiation. Cray, Ilex and Nara call the elements, earth, air, fire and water. Sophia goes last, invoking the fifth element, spirit, and finishing the protective magic circle around us. This time I can feel its energy, like a live wire surrounding us, woven above and below. In the darkness, the white stones seem to glow. We join hands, apart from Sophia who goes into the centre of the circle and opens the wooden box. From it she takes three black stones and two green crystals, which she arranges in a circle around the box, green nearest her, the black ones on the side facing me, Cray, Campion and Nara. Ilex and Chronicle are on each side of Sophia. The energy in the circle is cold and heavy on me, like the weight of the entire ocean on my shoulders. Despite the fairly mild autumn weather, my breath is making a cloud in front of my face. I look around at the others, but their breath is invisible. What's going on? Sophia takes two things from the box, a metal bowl and a pair of manicure scissors. She closes the lid and sets the bowl to one side. From within the folds of her kimono, she withdraws a piece of paper and begins to chant the words on it. They're not English, or any of the languages I've ever heard in my life, which admittedly doesn't narrow it down much. My spine tingles and my skin feels tight with goosebumps. Sophia continues to chant, lifting a lighter in one hand and igniting the piece of paper, which she drops into the bowl. A shudder runs through the other witches in the circle, only I remain still. Glancing at them, I have to blink and look again because they all look somehow paler, surrounded by auras of white light. Nara's face is like a moon in the dark swatch of her headscarf, and Campion's skin seems to glow. I look back at Sophia, who raises the scissors to her hair and cuts off a piece, throwing it into the bowl where it smoulders and stinks. She passes the scissors to Ilex, who cuts a piece of his own hair, steps forward, and lays it on the box lid. I thought he was going to burn it, but the silvery lock of hair just lies there on the gleaming wood. The scissors are passed around, but when they reach Cray, he passes them around me to Nara, who pulls a lock free from her scarf and snips it off. I watch Cray step forward and lay his hair on the box between Ilex and Campions. As Chronicle lays her long red hair on the box, Sophia's chanting reaches a fever pitch. She reaches for her throat and pulls the silver chain there, dredging up a heavy silver locket from the neckline of her dress. Opening it, she shakes a ghostly tumbleweed of dry hair into the fire in the bowl. The smell of burning hair intensifies. She steps forwards, taking the locks of hair from the lid one by one, winding them around her finger and placing them in the locket before snapping it shut. With one last incomprehensible cry, she raises her arms and the cold clinging energy feels for a moment as though it might suffocate me. Then it's gone. The fire snuffs itself out and the mild night air streams in, warming my frozen skin. Once the elements have been thanked and the circle open, we walk back to the house. Sophia goes up to her room without another word and the rest of us are left in the lounge, standing awkwardly. No one says anything. All of them look grey and tired. Looks like time for bed then, I say, wincing at how much of a nerd I sound. No one seems to notice. Crane manages a nod, but the others seem lost in their thoughts. My mouth feels suddenly dry and I go into the kitchen and grab a bottle of water. When I come back, Chronicle and Ilex are sitting on the sofa. The others have gone upstairs. Night then, I say, my tongue sticking to the roof of my mouth. Night, they say, at the same time. They sound like robots. As I hurry past them to the stairs, I tell myself not to be stupid, that they're just having me on playing a trick on the newbie. 
I've seen a lot of magic in the past few days. None of it scary, none of it dark. The ritual was just some stupid chanting. Something Sevilla had probably invented to give everyone something to do once a month, to make them feel like a family. As much as I tell myself that, I still can't sleep. The smell of burning hair follows me into my dreams. So that's chapters 13 and 14 and the general feeling of something is not quite right here is continuing to amp up in this chapter. Obviously this is going to lead into some stuff coming up and we're now approaching the halfway point of the book. I think we'll reach the halfway point in the next instalment so uh, I hope you're excited for that and don't forget if you want to read along or want to read ahead you can purchase this book Wayward by Sarah Goodwin on Amazon for 99p as a Kindle ebook and from lulu.com as a paperback book although obviously that costs more due to the manufacturing costs and the fact that it's a physical thing made of physical objects. In the meantime, I hope to see you in the next episode of Wayward. Don't forget to stay tuned for other review videos and unboxings in the meantime. I'll see you in the next one. Bye!